702, your number one news and talk station. If you have just woken up and joined us, a very good morning to you. My name is Errol Ballantyne. It is Saturday the 30th of April. Uh, welcome to the program. You're just in time for the health and well-being feature, which is uh, now going through to 6 o'clock. And I am in my in the studio. Warm welcome to my guest for the next 55 minutes or thereabouts. And her name is Nikki Robertson, a resident clinical nutritionist. Hello, Nikki. Hello, Errol. Is it cold out there? You've got jerseys and things. It is nippy, yeah. It's a bit, no, winter's, winter's not far, hey? You We've know, had this wonderful summer where you think, where is autumn and nothing's happened yet? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm welcoming a bit of cool weather, I think. You're liking it? This, this heat has been unbearable. But amazing. It's just yeah. amazing. So we're talking this morning about a couple of things. Uh, we're talking about adrenal fatigue, whatever that is. Uh, we're going to be talking about the connection between the gut and the brain. Uh, what you eat means sort of results in what your mood is. <clears throat> I want to also talk about things like allergies, food allergies. So lots, lots to discuss, and uh, we also like to have your participation as well. So you can give us a call on any topic related to nutrition, diets, those kinds of things. Numbers to dial: oh one one double eight three oh seven oh two or 021-446-0567, or you could SMS on 31702 or 31567. Uh, just before we kick off, uh, let me ask you, you've been here a long time, we're saying off air, you've been on this show on and off for six, seven years. Seven years. Mm. Gosh. It doesn't okay. feel like seven years. It doesn't, eh? Hey? Mm. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to remind listeners about, about what you do. You have a, a business called... Reinvent. Re- Reinvent Reinvent Health. Health, yes. And your email address is wellness at reinventhealth.co.za. But you've been in this business a long time. You're a clinical nutritionist and you were one of the finalists. In fact, twice you were a finalist uh, at, at 702 for the Small Business Small Awards, business awards yes. for your business. And yes. If you were to describe your business in a nutshell, what would it be? Okay. So, yeah, I'm not a dietitian. I need to really emphasize that. And people often want to know what the difference is between a dietitian and a nutritionist. Mm. And honestly, I don't really know because I can't speak for dietitians. And mm. there's, there's dietitians who are very different to sort of the mainstream. But what we do is we teach people about their, their unique biochemistry. So not just what to eat because anybody can go on the internet and download a meal plan and follow it, but it might not work. So we teach people about what's going on inside their bodies and what they need to optimize their health at that present time mm. and that can change that can change as we age that can change depending on what's going on in the immune system so it's very much what's going on with you and how do we optimize your health and as a result often one loses weight or gains weight or whatever they're trying to achieve um, and then we also do a lot of corporate health care so we go into companies and teach people what's going on if you're stressing what's going on if you are burning the candle at both ends how are you slowly killing yourself by not having a break those okay. kind of real life um Things that you sort of optimize our well-being. So you were the finalist in the finalists twice in this uh, business small business awards yes, competition. That was amazing. Very nice, mm. but you, there's another thing as well, and that the body image thing. You lost. Tell us how many kilos in how long? Sure. What was the competition about? Yes, that was Body for Life. Um, yeah. Probably the first 
body transformation challenge in the world um, was created by Bill Phillips. He's a competitive bodybuilder in the States. That's been going on since the 90s. But um, the one that I competed in was 2005, the local, the South African version. And I lost 30 kilos in three months, 30 kilos of fat. But, you know, people go, well, I want that diet. And it's, it's not about the diet. It's about, again, getting that chemistry right. So your hormones have to be playing the game. You have to be healthy on every level for that kind of change to happen and you have to be absolutely committed so it's not easy but I, I always say it's it's you know I was in my 30s when I lost 30 kilos of fat and I said it's 30 years of getting it wrong and three months of getting it right that enabled that change mm. so it's there's a there's a lot behind body transformation and you, mm. you see these before and after pictures and they are real but what we don't realize is it didn't just take three months for a person to do that. There's a lot that went on behind the scenes. And it didn't take uh, three weeks of this kind of pink pill and no. two blue ones twice a day. Definitely not. That doesn't work. It really doesn't. We wish it did, but it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's food. We have to eat. But you talk about uh, absolutely committed. I mean, the head has to be right absolutely. as well. You, you get to a point, I'm sure, where you see nothing happen or... It's not happening fast enough. Yes. And, and your, your head says, uh, you know, it's enough. I can't do this anymore. I'm banging my head against the wall. I'm getting nowhere. I'm bailing. I'm just going to mm. go back to what I was doing. Absolutely. And that's where, you know, your support comes in. So either you're working with a personal trainer or a wellness coach or a training partner, but your head or does. Or a sympathetic ha- husband. Or a sympathetic husband. <laughs> it's so true. But your head does have to be in the right space. It's all a mind game. But anything that's that difficult, you know, changing your body is so difficult. Um, and it is a mind game. You really have to be so committed. Now, did you ever put this back on? Certainly looking at you doesn't look like it. How did you just stay away from it? Because diets, as you've often said, don't work because you, you'll, you'll do the stuff, you'll lose your five kilos, and within two weeks you've put it back sure. on again. Let's put it this way. When I, I lost all that weight, I went down to 9% body fat, which was very difficult to maintain. And I did put a bit back on because staying at 9% body fat was not, I didn't think it was terribly healthy. It looked wonderful. So I put on sort of back to somewhere in the uh, teens, early 20s. And with pregnancies and kids and stress and business, it fluctuates. But generally, mm. I've never gone back to mm. where I was. Clearly, so looking at you, you've never gone anywhere near there. No. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, is it, what does it mean to have 9% body fat? What, is, what does that mean? Sure. Um, you've got a six-pack. You ha- can't help but have a six-pack at 9% body fat. Um, you know, for women, we like to get your body fat into between 20 and 20%. That's a healthy place. Athletes are anywhere between sort of 17 to 10% body fat, and competitive bodybuilders are lower than that. So that gives you an oh. idea of um, your muscle-to-fat ratio. So you've got more muscle mass than oh, fat okay. mass. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, is sli- it is very slim. And, and that's scientifically measurable? Yes, very much so. Very much what so. is the average? You, you see a lot of people. What's the average? Is there, is there an answer to mm. that question? Yes. So the average that we see in the practice is between 35 and 56% body fat. Um, so people in generally, generally are well over, probably carrying twice as much fat as they should healthily. We don't work with BMI because BMI is a calculation of your weight multiplied by your height. So if you were a six foot, um, male and weighed a hundred kilos, your BMI would probably be borderline obese. But if 24, yeah, so it would be just on creeping over the, the obesity side of things. But what if that mass was made up of muscle, not fat? You 
clearly wouldn't be obese. So BMI is not really the answer. It's more a case of how much fat are you carrying as opposed to how much muscle you're carrying. The more muscle you're carrying, the better you're absorbing food, the healthier you are. So we always look at let's boost your muscle mass in order to burn fat. Are you consciously aware then, just before we go to the lines, of what you're eating on a daily basis? Do you look at every meal and say, oh, I don't know about this, or do you go out for dinner and say, oh, I can't eat this, and I'd love to eat it, but I can't? No, you know, you've got to have a life, and you've got to be able to enjoy <laughs> yeah. food. Absolutely. Yeah. The one thing I ask myself is, is what I'm going to put in my mouth taking me away from or towards where I want to be? That's kind of what sits in my head every time I look at food. But you've still got to be able to eat and enjoy food. Do you ever crack open a packet of chips? Very seldom. I just don't feel like it. I just, it just doesn't do it for me anymore. <laughs> All right. You want to speak to Nikki Robertson, our cl- clinical nutritionist. Uh, give us a call. Let's talk to Leslie. Hi, Leslie. Good morning, Good morning. Earl, and Good morning, Nikki. Hello. Um, I have, can you hear me? Right, loud and clear. Good. I have just fetched my domestic servant's daughter from the Charlotte McClickley Hospital. She's been released for the weekend. She's there because she's going to have a kidney, uh, a liver transplant. They're looking to see whether she is suitable. Now, she's out for the weekend, but they haven't given any advice on what she may or may not eat for this particular weekend. Is there anything Nikki could just advise me on what is bad for the liver? Sure. You know, typically you want to stay away from processed food and sugar as a general rule, whether you... Sugar. You, sugar, yeah. So cold drinks, Coke, um, sweets, chips, all those sort of processed food, junk food. It's not going to help your liver in any way. Look, if she's getting a liver transplant, um, there's probably very little that you're going to be able to eat that's going to make the situation better. But to stop things from getting worse, definitely no alcohol. But I wouldn't imagine that anyone ill waiting for a liver transplant would even imagine drinking alcohol, but alcohol is probably one of the worst things you can Nikki, alcohol was the only thing that was mentioned when I picked her up at the hospital yesterday. Really? They said no alcohol, but nothing else was advised. So, yeah, processed now, what foods. What foods? Yeah, you know, fatty foods, it depends on, on, it's really got to do with the gallbladder, not so much the liver. So when we think about fatty liver, that's made from sugar. So the liver turns fructose and sucrose into fat. So it's the sugars that you've got to stay away from. Healthy fats are not really a problem for the liver. That's a problem with the gallbladder. So if you can't digest fats, that's got more to do with the gut and the gallbladder than really the liver. So I'd stay away from anything, white flour, processed foods, sugars, those kind of things are going to make her feel horrid. Okay, you've been a great right, help. Thank you. Thank you, and good luck with that. I hope she, I hope she comes out well from it. Yes, yeah, she's on the list. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's Leslie. All right, some SMSs. Errol, nausea, running, stomach, depression is when I make any uh, contact with my wife. Please explain. I have, mm, yes, it's interesting. Right. One of the subjects that I wanted to chat about was was the gut and depression. Mm. Um, I don't know if this has got another sort of side to it, but... You know, it's quite it's quite interesting. There, I came across an article um, this week. We were, I was I was talking to a group of people from the South African Anxiety and Depression Group yesterday, and we were discussing the gut brain link. And it's really interesting that firstly, fifty percent of the dopamine, serotonin, and GABA, which is our happy hormones or happy neurotransmitters, those chemicals that stop us from feeling um, miserable 
come from the gut. And if you've got an overproduction of unhealthy bacteria or fungi or yeast in the gut, your chance of getting anxiety and depression is huge compared to someone who's got a healthy gut. Also, when we are miserable and we crave sugar, we will eat junk food and we'll eat you know, we'll drink alcohol. And what that does is disrupt our insulin levels and our glucose levels. So when your glucose or insulin drops, one tends to get depressed, irritable, grumpy, sort of almost symptoms of menopause, in fact, in men and women. Okay, we'll come back to that right now. we just got to take a break back after this. From the hustle and bustle of busy city life to the peace and quiet of your humble abode, ADT has got you covered wherever you are and whenever you need it. Isn't it time you made the switch to the first choice in personal and home security? Go to ADT.co.za to sign up with ADT today. ADT, always there. Admit it, you're looking around. Maybe you need something a little prettier. A little lighter, with a bit more game. So go on, sell us that Android, buy a new iSomething. You know you want to. Cash converters, sell us what you don't want to buy the things you do. Franchise opportunities available. not even 40 and years of rugby and road running have taken their toll on my joints even climbing stairs is painful then i found collagen proactive now my joints and bones are stronger than ever even running is a breeze again collagen proactive contains maximum strength premium quality hydrolyzed collagen with clinically proven results visit proactivesa.co.za to find a stockist collagen proactive youth strength vitality Double one double eight three zero seven zero two or zero two one double four six zero five six seven. In studio, we have Nikki Robertson, clinical nutritionist, and talking to her about nutrition and just healthy eating. Just before the break, Nikki, we were talking about bacteria in your gut. Can it explain your mood? So I was reading last night an article on this that said gut microbes, gut microbes communicate with the nervous system using some of the same neurochemicals that relay messages in the brain. So so there's a direct link between what you were saying, between eating and feeling good or bad. And it's more than just feeling bloated through eating too much ice cream. Or is that part of it? Yeah, well, there's a couple of pathways how, how this works. So when we eat sugar it works or affects the same part of the brain as if you were snorting cocaine. That's the easiest way to to explain it. So the receptors in the brain that the pleasure centers in the brain respond to sugar in the way that they would, you would um, any drug, any kind of stimulant. So what happens is you've got um, the cortex in the brain that will then associate that feeling of pleasure with that food so Mm -hmm. that's sort of when that kicks into action you know some people will drive to the garage in the middle of the night to get a chocolate because they have this overwhelming sense of needing to feel good 
Um, Is that dopamine? That's dopamine or serotonin. So that's how sugar affects our moods. But what it also does is it creates spikes and dips in our sugar levels. And when our sugar levels drop, we become anxious. So one of the biggest causes of anxiety is unstable sugar levels. So if one is experiencing anxiety, not just, you know, it's very easy, well, maybe not very easy, but it's very typical to go along and get an anti-anxiety med or an antidepressant. But what we should be looking at as well is hormone levels and sugar levels to see that there there isn't some kind of um, correlation there. Because very often you will find that progesterone is too low or insulin is too high or there's mm. some kind of hormone is a link to that feeling of anxiety and depression. Just define microbe. Okay, so a microbe is a, is a bacteria. Now, we have about three kilos of bacteria in our bodies. We have more bacteria in our bodies than we have g- a genome, than we have genetic material. Mm. So we are mostly bacteria. Um, and for the best part of the 20th and 21st century, we've been trying to clean away the bacteria, mm. um, triclosan, all these, these antibacterial properties, um, antibiotics. We've been trying to eliminate really what we are, and then we wonder why we are so sick, you know, at the end of it. <laughs> T- tell me about, uh, on that on that score, about um, babies and yes. young kids and dirty hands and, oh, there's germs there. Well, you can't touch that and don't put that in your mouth. And sure. You know, we've got a built-in immune system to this. Uh, am I right? Absolutely. So, and it's the worst thing you can do is be paranoid about washing your hands every five minutes. You're creating more of a problem for your immune system. The immune system, when it is working properly, is really good at handling. In fact, it's beneficial to be exposed <coughs> to sand and dirt and garden muck. Mm. And it's really important for children to boost their immune systems that way. Mm. Um, yeah. And, you know, and also when you were talking, you mentioned allergies earlier that most, a lot of the time, allergies are formed in the womb. So our exposure, or the mother's exposure to healthy bacteria will determine whether or not that child will become allergic or sensitive, get asthma, nut correct? allergies later on in life. Absolutely. So um, we are supposed to be exposed to bacteria to boost our immune system. That's how the immune system <coughs> learns. Isn't it about the balance, though? I mean, I, I actually wash my hands a lot. Yes. Um, because I'm touching, you know, we're all touching funny things, money particularly. Particularly money, yes. Uh, then, then I wash my hands. But isn't there's a balance you, you're suggesting? Sure, there's a line. I mean, you don't want to go and handle money and put your fingers in your mouth because you will get a tummy bug or yeah. something like that. But it's really important for kids to crawl around on the floor to put things in their mouths mm. to start strengthening their immune system. Mm. Yeah, you, you don't want to touch shopping trolleys because you don't know where those hands have been and you want to, you know, but there's, there's got to be escalator a little... rails. Oh, now, yes. I never, ever touch an escalator rail. Yes. I mean, I wear gloves for everything. I can't prepare food without wearing gloves. But, uh, you know, there's also got to be a level of, of common sense here where yes. you can't be too paranoid either. Yes. You know. So, yeah, that's, I think, why the gut is in... We see every second person who comes into the practice has IBS, um, some kind of gut issue, whether it's um, a depressed person or an anxious person, there's always a gut issue. Mm. Um, If that person has sugar level issues or digestion issues, just about every second person has reflux. That all comes down to our exposure to bacteria and how much healthy bacteria is sitting in the gut. And a a lot of it has to be in the brain as well. A lot of it has to be... 
people's attitude to things or what yes. they they're feeding themselves with this kind of information. We feed ourselves to say we're not feeling well. We've got X problem and Y problem. Oh, absolutely. I mean, nobody is sick on a Friday. Um, really, and you know, come Monday, it's, we all feel terrible, and yeah. a lot of it is psychosomatic. Yes. Absolutely, just extrapolating that—that that what you were talking about um, with the gut impacting the microbes, impacting on on our mood. Um, I'm just reading also in this article. One day we might be able to use microbes to diagnose neurodevelopmental disorders treat mental illnesses and perhaps even fix them in the brain. Yes. That's extraordinary by what you've got in your, what, what you've got in your stomach. Yes. So there's a certain amount of a specific kind of gut bacteria in people who are naturally slender and a specific kind of gut bacteria in people who, are, who battle to lose weight. So you'll find a, a different kind of ba- gut bacteria in people who are depressed or anxious. Mm. So replacing that gut bacteria, they're doing it with autistic kids and autistic adults at the moment. By replacing certain gut bacteria, they lim- they, they're reducing the symptoms and the severity of autism. So the, the, the science and the development and what's being learned about what goes on in the gut mm. is because it's profound. The more we learn, the more we realize there's so much more to learn about what goes It's almost the control system for every system in the in the body makes sense because it is our barrier to the outside world it is our immune system and it all goes back to what we eat it all goes back to what we eat so in the gut in the stomach you should have acid should have acid so we all think we've got stomach acid but most of us don't have enough and when you don't have enough stomach acid you 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 experience reflux so we take an antacid which dimin- further diminishes our, our stomach acid. So the first line of defense is adequate enzymes and stomach acid, which breaks down the unhealthy bacteria in the food we eat and what we're breathing in. So once that, that stomach acid has destroyed the unhappy bugs, then the, the immune system can start distributing the nutrition from food into our cells. But it starts with chewing, it starts with the enzymes and the saliva. And if we backtrack all the way back to that, most of us don't even get that right. And then mm. it's no wonder we're bloated and uncomfortable and putting on weight and our sugar levels are all over the place and we're depressed. I'm feeling terrible. Yeah. yeah. Peter in Milderton. Hi, good morning to you. Yes, top of the world. It's, a, it's a good to hear your voice. Thank you, sir. And uh, my question has just changed a little bit, but uh, not much. My mum used to tell me that uh, yogurt was the funny stuff from Europe. And uh, one day, later in life, I was feeding my son um, banana and yogurt. But uh, yogurt, what are the the building blocks? I think yogurt might be one. But uh, my question really is now, all of a sudden, they're sweetening yogurt. Oh, there's another one on honey as well. I'd like to hear a bit more about honey and the sugar of that. I'll listen on the radio. All right. Thanks very much, Peter. So one of the most natural ways of replacing the healthy bacteria in the gut is by eating plain, unsweetened, unflavored yogurt. Um... That is full of lactobacilli, and it's really, really good for the gut. You've been often been advised to eat yogurt after antibiotics, but it needs to be the real thing, not the pink strawberry-flavored pudding, <laughs> which is really it's melted ice cream if but you break it down. But that's the best. Flavored yeah. yogurt is the best. Exactly, it's divine. But it's it's really if you look at the ingredients of flavored yogurt and the ingredients of ice cream, it's the same thing. Mm. And and frozen yogurt is not yogurt. It's ice cream. 
Let's not get that confused. Yogurt should be sour and it should be full of healthy bacteria. So there's other things. Can you have it with honey? You could. You really, you, you actually can. But you're losing can. some of the... Not really. You know, raw honey is not, not bad. Okay. Um, if you're insulin resistant, honey is going to act like white sugar. So it mm. really depends on your, your endocrine system. Mm. But you can mix it up with honey and nuts and all sorts of delicious things. There's also kefir, which is sour milk. Um, kombucha, which is like a fermented tea. All those... Um, fermented foods are really, really healthy for us. And they've been around for like something like 10,000 years. People have been consuming fermented foods, which help mm. the healthy bacteria and the digestion in the gut. All right, let's go to the SMS line. Lots of SMSs coming through. I've been diagnosed with RA. Should I avoid certain foods? Uh, walking seems to cause more pain rather than lessening it. Yeah, RA, I assume, is uh, rheumatoid arthritis, and that's an inflammatory disease. And agreed, we say all the time, inflammation is caused by sugars, it's caused by stress, it's caused by lack of sleep, um, it's caused by the sort of unbalanced acidity levels. So when you're looking at any disease that's inflammation-based, you've really got to take out your processed foods the rule applies to just about anything no sugar no processed foods whole foods as nature intended a processed food is a food that comes in a package and has more than one ingredient and if you can't pronounce the ingredients chances are it's a processed food if you if, if that's, it's got a, an, that's scientific yeah, and it's really that simple if it's got an e number it's it's got something in it that really isn't food so you know your whole foods eggs Lean protein, healthy fats, and green leafy vegetables are highly anti-inflammatory. My husband, this this from Lizzie says, my husband, (coughs) pardon me, is a dialysis. On he said, yeah, yeah. he is a dialysis. He lost a lot of weight. How can he gain it back? All right, if he is off dialysis, I'm not sure if he's off dialysis. You know, the rules apply whether you want to lose weight or gain weight. You just need to eat. Just, it's such a funny word to say, just um, a healthy, balanced diet. So yeah. staying away from alcohol, again, the processed foods, eating things like porridge is not going to help you put on weight. It might actually work against you. So your healthy fats and your proteins are what build muscle. The reason why people lose condition when they're sick and lose weight is mostly because they're losing muscle mass. So the, the gut isn't able to break down um the amino acids in your protein or break down food in general and help, you know, your cells can't absorb nutrition. So if you're looking to put on muscle mass and regain energy and quality of life, putting protein back into your diet is the first thing you need to do. Um, elderly people, young people, if you've, if you're sick, if you're on chemotherapy, if you're on dialysis, protein, easily absorbed, um, protein is, is, Probably your first line. Um, that oily fish is a really, really good form of protein. I love certain kinds of whey protein. Depends on who makes it. Mm. Um, so there are eggs. In my opinion, eggs should be a superfood. So things like that. And and this whole thing about eggs and cholesterol, that's all it's gone nonsense. out the window long ago. Yeah, it's, mm. it's nonsense. Uh, back to the lines. Gulam in Lanasia. Hi, Gulam. Morning, how are you? Morning to you. Good news. Uh, I've been on Zolsac and Nexium for for years and years in connection with uh, indigestion, acids, and reflux and all that. I've been taking it for years and years, and now recently I'm getting very constipated. Yes. Do you know, Nexium shouldn't be taken long term. 
Um, I think if you even look at the package insert, it warns you against taking it long term because it diminishes your, your stomach acid and doesn't really fix the problem. It's fine for a short term treatment to just you know deal with the situation, but so it's not a long term solution. The reflux and the, and the chest burn. Yeah. So if you um, what what we do is we put uh, our clients onto something called digestive enzymes, which put back the the enzymes which help you break up the food that you're eating to stop that reflux from happening. Um, they are easily available from most pharmacies. Some brands yeah, are better I'm and stronger than yeah. others. Yeah, so you can't just go off something or any medication. You just can't go off it completely. So what I would do is take one or two digestive enzymes, depending on how you're advised to take them on the package, with every meal and see how you go. And the constipation, uh, doctor? It should It should diminish by itself, but there could be many, many other reasons that you have constipation. And I am taking fiber and fruits and vegetables. And okay. How much water do you drink? Sorry? How much water do you drink? Yeah, I'm drinking a fair amount of water, but some days we do slip up. Okay. So, you know, if, you, if you're eating correctly, it could literally be the fact that the stomach muscles are lazy. So yeah. then there's, there's other ways to deal with that. But I'd start by getting the, the acid levels correct in the gut, and usually things work out from there. Thanks, Gulam, for the call in Lanasia. And then Neville in Boxburg. Morning, Neville. Hi, Nikki. I'd just like to ask you, what's the nutritional value of tea and coffee? So I, have, I drink a lot of tea and coffee without sugar. Okay, do you put milk in your tea and coffee? Yes, I put low-fat milk. Okay, so there's no real nutritional Can value. Can on the radio? Yes, yes, of course, Neville. Thanks Thank for the you. call. You know, from, there's no nutritional value, but there are health benefits from drinking tea. Tea is full of antioxidants and I think it's called catecholine, catecholamines, which is, um, the, the, it's, it's, there's, there's a sort of antioxidant properties to black tea. Um, caffeine, I'm a big fan of caffeine, I have to say. I'm a big fan of good quality coffee. Let's yeah. put it that way. I'm not a fan of instant coffee, but good quality coffee is, uh, can be very, very good for you. Again, full of antioxidants. And is, is rooibos good or is it kind of urban legend or is it a bit better than ordinary tea? What is it that makes rooibos good? I don't really know. Um, I think it's good for you. Be, uh, you know, any tea has got a certain amount, any color in a plant, whether it's a leaf or, or a seed has got something in it called polyphenols or phytonutrients. So the color will have certain antioxidant properties. Mm. I think personally, it's just my personal opinion, the benefit of drinking tea is that you sit down, relax and chill for a bit. <laughs> and that's really good for your brain. Uh, but there's no nothing what? wrong with drinking tea and coffee as long as you're not having heaps of sugar and you're having ten yeah. cups a day. You know, ten what cups do, of coffee a day is not good for anyone. The pause that refreshes but doesn't inebriate. Yes, yes. Um, I got an SMS from Ilona and it says, "Hi, you two. Please advise me on how I can lose some of my kilos." As I have only one leg, I'm 69 years old, I'm scared, I'm too heavy for my height, two meters. Wow, okay, that's uh, a $10 six, million dollar question. Yeah, 69, yeah. she weighs 64 kilos, um, I don't know whether the one leg is, is relevant, is, six, is, is, two, is, is uh, 69 kilos, 64 kilos too heavy for two meters tall? Well, no, not at all, not at all. For two meters tall, um, you could, right. you know, it's it's difficult to to say without looking at you and yeah. seeing that that fat to muscle distribution. So it's a bit difficult to say, you know, without knowing who you are. 
but you'll need to perhaps I'll, I'll, we'll give out Nikki's details at the end, and and you could contact sure. Nikki, go and visit her, and and, uh, and see. Uh, just before we go back to the lines again, a question from Viv. He says, um, "Is there any natural way to clean the clean the gut out?" Absolutely, it's the only way. So your natural way of detoxing the gut is through your green leafy vegetables, your fiber. So fiber is like the the, the scrubbing brush of the gut. Um, you'd want to eat a lot of... Personally, I love vegetable juices. Eat the colors. Eat the colors, eat the rainbows. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, but your green vegetables made into a juice once a day, uh, yeah. fantastic. Um, and you're, you're a good probiotic. Uh, there's some really very, very good probiotics available. There's some really useless probiotics available. What makes it good or useless? The, okay. the, the brand name, must you read the read the label? What is it? Yeah, it's it's personally I feel that it's the way it's been manufactured and stored. Yeah. So your bacteria is live and unless it's kept cool it will die. There are certain manufacturers who are able to preserve bacteria with nitrogen. Yes. Um and those are fine. But when you take twenty different probiotics off the shelf and actually test to see whether that bacteria is live or not, most of the time it's not life anymore so it's a complete waste of time so the probiotics that you find in the fridge at mm. your pharmacy are typically the ones that are are probably going to benefit you more you mm. will feel a profound difference immediately mm. um so yeah it's 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 tricky it doesn't tricky. mean that that the items on the shelf are are not it's, Good. Yeah, it's, it doesn't mean that at all. But my advice for any supplement is if you take it and you feel good immediately or within a couple of hours, it's mm. working for you and okay. it's working. Yeah. Uh, Lindy and others will be back with you directly after this. SMS us on 31702 or 31567. We're talking in studio with clinical nutritionist Nikki Robertson. Let's go straight back to the lines. Lindy, thank you for holding. Good morning. Okay, thank you so much. Uh, I just want to find out from the doctor uh, to give me an advice. I suffer from constipation. Whatever I eat, I don't know what to eat these days. Um, meat, even vegetables sometimes. Um, I get bloated as well. Um, anything that I eat, bread, mostly bread and meat are the problem. I don't know what to eat, what is right to eat. All right, so... <clears throat> um it seems that it's not just, I mean, constipation is usually just the, the last thing in the chain of events. So you're probably not breaking down and digesting the food you're eating. I can pretty much guarantee that. Um, if you've been on antibiotics for any length of time um, in the last say, five years, you probably have a proliferation of unhealthy gut in the, in, in unhealthy bacteria in the gut. Uh, so it's the full picture of what's going on in the stomach from the amount of acid in the, in the stomach to the, to the balance of bacteria in the gut and then your food choices. So the things that prevent uh, or stop constipation is fiber from vegetables, not from wheat. Wheat fiber can cause a bit more of a problem. It's almost like taking a scrubbing brush and scrubbing your skin with, with a hard brush. So your, your fiber from green vegetables, preferably raw if you can digest them, if not then cooked. Um, and enough fats, healthy fats in your diet and plenty of water. Water, you're looking at about 30 mils per kilo of total body weight. So not too much, not too little, just, just the right amount. And if all of that's in place and the gut bacteria is healthy, then your stomach should return to normal. Thanks, uh, thanks for the call, Lindy. I mean, you, you always have this same kind of approach, Nikki. 
You don't need the other stuff if the system is working correctly. That's it. You can't be 50% healthy, you know. Yes. You can be, you're either healthy or you're not healthy. Yes. And to get healthy, you just, you need balance. Yes. And it's nothing, there's no magic pill, there's no special formula, there's no secret ingredient that's going to do that. It's eating right, it's exercising, yeah. it's not smoking and all of the Sure. All those boring things, hey? <laughs> <laughs> and good morning, thanks for holding. Hello, Anne. Good morning. Go ahead. Hi, good good morning to you. Um, I, I've uh, recently been uh, hospitalized for a, a flare-up of diverticulitis, and apparently I'd um, created a peptic ulcer as well. Wow. Um, in the interim, I'm also a candida sufferer, and I'm so confused as to what I should be eating and what I should not be eating, mm. and the kind of supplements, probiotics, etc., that I should be having. I desperately need some advice. Okay. That is possibly one of the most complex combinations of issues that you're dealing with. So diverticulitis is almost like little pit marks in the gut or in the intestine. So traps, you eat little food. traps. Mm. So you eat seeds or skins or anything that's small and isn't broken down. It'll find its way into that little cave and become infected, so it'll create an infection. Ulcers are okay. caused by bacteria. So whatever unhealthy or undesirable bacteria sitting in the gut is probably what's caused the ulcer in the first place. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a, it's a case of eliminating the things that you shouldn't be eating and putting back the healthy bacteria into the gut. So it's, it's a hell of a process. I'd say it takes a couple of months Um We'd need to relook at your diet completely from scratch and support things. With an ulcer, you can't take digestive enzymes. or Most digestive enzymes, they'll cause more of a problem. So it is very, very complicated. My best advice is not to go to the pharmacy and buy something that looks appealing on the shelf because chances are it's going to cause more trouble. You need to get a proper diagnosis and have a strategy and work, work, work at it that way. And then you'll be fine. You'll be fine, but it is... Very difficult, very complex, and can make you very miserable. And, and frustrating for you, yeah. Anne, as you said. It's, it is. One thing that I must say is, look, I've, I've read a friend of mine's got an extremely good um, medical journal. And in there they say, you know, a lot of um, uh, like smoothies and stuff like that. But now, obviously, if, if I'm going to make a smoothie, like say with apple in it or something, must I actually skin that apple? Yes, so you want to take off all skins and you don't want to have any seeds or any little... Sorry, small, I don't want to have? Any seeds, so any small particles. So if you're going to eat oh. seeds, they need to be ground. Uh, if, you, if you want to eat nuts, they need to be ground. So a nut butter would be better for you, but definitely no skins. So things like strawberries, raspberries okay. with tiny little seeds, those are going to cause a flare-up. And uh, thanks okay. for the call. We, we'll give out. Uh, thanks very much. Thanks. We'll give out Nikki's details at the end, and and maybe uh, you're in Joburg. You know, a visit to her practice might be very useful for you. Uh, Tebo in Gardens. Hi, Tebo. Hi. Hello. Oh, I didn't re- hi. Hi. I didn't realize that you're talking to me, uh, Nikki. I've just I've been struggling a lot with migraine, and after a lot of tests and all that, it just been discovered that I have high levels of metals in my body. Yes. Which needs to be eliminated. Yes. But I'm I'm a, I'm now a bit confused with the foods that I'm I must eat because I heard you talk about eggs that are good for the system but yet in one of my 
things that I must avoid eliminate from my diet is 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 eggs. But yes. I'm actually at that process where they are, they are now about to start the whole detox of the metals in my system, and I just need to get the the right food that I must now just be eat, eating long yes. term because apparently I've had this for a long time, hence the the migraines are because apparently now it's, it's really in my system and going into my brain or something. Yes, yes. Yeah, metal toxicity and chemical toxicity is a big problem and you need something called chelation, which is, is substances that bind to the toxins and eliminate through the liver. Uh, Sensitivity to eggs is an individual thing. So if somebody, if you've had an allergy test and you've come up sensitive to eggs, then it is something you should avoid, but not maybe not the mm. next person. So yeah, you do need a quite a specific detox program to support that chelation process. Um, again, it's individual. It's, there's no one answer here. Thanks very much for the call. Lots of SMSs as well as calls. Let's go to some of these SMSs. One of the things I wanted to talk about today was adrenal overload or adrenal fatigue. So somebody's saying, please talk about adrenal overload and consequences of stress. Okay. So... What is adrenal overload? Yeah, adrenal overload or adrenal fatigue is a big deal. It's it's probably the cause of most diseases today or the reason why immune systems don't handle overload like they should. So you've got adrenal glands and when you are faced with an emergency that you've had a call and you have to rush to the hospital because someone's in the hospital, your adrenal glands make adrenaline and it kind of puts your brain into fight or flight response so you can deal with the situation. So you get in your car and you go and you're highly aware and um, sort of focused. Right. So that is an appropriate use of adrenaline, for, for want of a better word. But nowadays, most of us overproduce adrenaline just way too much. So we wake up to an alarm clock that pushes us out of bed. So you get a fright first thing in the morning. So your adrenals start working or overproducing early on in the day. Um, Most of us don't have enough time. We don't eat breakfast. We're in a rush in the morning. We get to work. There are meetings. There are demands. There are threats. Um, Threats. Job security is a threat. The risk of being hijacked is a threat. I was going to say getting through the traffic without getting dinged is a threat. Totally, totally. So our um, our perception of threat is so much higher than it's ever been in the history of humankind, even during the First and Second World War, because it was sort of isolated incidents and we're geared for that. But nowadays, these, these life-threatening events are a reality, and especially in this country, unfortunately. So we are working with adrenal overload all of the time, and eventually the adrenals run out of adrenaline and we stop functioning at the gut stops working the brain stops working it literally does we become we can't focus we can't concentrate our moods are unstable so what do we do to combat um the effects of adrenal burnout well we turn to alcohol we turn to food we turn to antidepressants but it's not dealing with the situation it's not healing that system we don't breathe most people don't breathe we take these little shallow breaths and we don't we most people don't know what it feels like to get a full lung full of air and that is the best way to calm down the sympathetic nervous system is to breathe. Do you know, I, I, I've often said, and I've often used it myself, because you, you, know, you we all get a bit, oh, what's going to happen now? So, yes. And, and at that moment, 
to, somebody told me many years ago, take a deep breath, fill the lungs and hold it for 10 seconds and breathe out very slowly and do that a few times. The effect is amazing. You get this calming, Mm. uh, it's just incredible. You must feel a little bit drunk. Nothing. Nothing. (laughs) The things that keep us healthy actually cost us nothing. So, you know, a lot of us have this perception that being healthy is expensive. It costs you nothing to breathe. It costs you nothing to sleep properly. It costs you nothing to drink water. Mm. And those are three primary things that we need to be healthy. So if you can get those three right, you're really onto a good wicket. Mark in Joburg. Hi. Mark. Hi. Go ahead. Yes, go ahead, Mark. I suffer from uh, chronic migraine. I get a migraine almost every day of my life. <clears throat> the only thing that works is um, migral, migral tablets, which contain got. They do work, nothing else works, but uh, I wonder what diet issues. I eat very healthily, you know, mainly vegetarian, because I eat milk products. Mm. All right, so dairy can trigger migraines. It's, it depends on the person. With Hormones can trigger migraines. Uh, caffeine and dairy and sugar are big causes of migraines. Chocolate, yeah. Chocolate, definitely. A pinched nerve in your neck can cause a migraine. So you've got to rule out all of those things. I'd definitely look at hormones. I'd look at toxicity levels in the body. The previous caller mentioned heavy metals, and metals in the system can trigger migraines. So there's there's so many reasons, um, and there are de- Debilitating, and it is—it's—it's it's probably your clearest warning sign that something needs to be addressed. It's not something we should ignore, and you need to look at all angles, not just food, but hormones and toxicity as well, and 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 mechanical issues, pinched nerves, um, damage to the to the neck, to the spine. You've really got to look at all of those angles. Have you been for a checkup recently, Mark? Medical I've checkup? Been, I've been so, to the headache clinic. I've been to neuro uh, surgeons, whatever urologists, and I would look at an elimination diet um, and take out the typical triggers and then start putting them back and see what happens. But yeah, let's, I'd, I'd rather go eliminate and detox the liver and then you should feel relief immediately if, if that's the right, the right decision. Thanks for the call, Mark, and, and, and good luck with that. We're running out of time. Mary in Joburg, hi. Hello, Mary. Mary Errol. Go ahead, Mary. Yeah, Errol, I'd love to ask you a question. I've got a problem with my stomach. Since the beginning of, uh, almost the beginning of January, I've had upset stomach, but I thought I came back from the holidays, I had contaminated water. I thought it was a problem that would go away. Anyway, to cut the long story short, on the 3rd of April, I went to see the doctor and I explained everything. They ran a test, a blood test, to see if it's sugar, because I thought it could be my pancreas, because I've got a funny feeling on my back. Okay, my uh, urine had no color, and my stools were runny, or just uh, before I became runny, they were like full of gut. So on the third, I went to see the doctor where they ran the test. Doctor said it was blood infection, and prescribed Ciflox uh, and Metronidid or something like that, which I started taking on the fifth of April, and my stools uh, got back to normal thereafter. So the problem came back a week ago to date, and it's so smelly. 
Okay. Go back to your doctor and tell them you need a stool test to see what kind of bacteria is growing. So if you're on an antibiotic, it might have killed off a bacteria, but that bacteria might not have been completely killed off. So you need to go and get a stool test done to see if anything's still sitting in the intestine. A lot of bacteria from water can harbor in the intestine for years and just sit oh, there quietly okay. and then reproliferate later on. All right, Mary. Sorry, we, we have to we have to move on. Thank you so much for the call. Uh, just quick, I've got to take some of these SMSs. There's been quite a number about difference between white and brown sugar, and all bran, and how good is it, and what is what is what's good and what's bad, or is it all the it's same? All bad. She's smiling. She's <laughs> laughing. In fact, there's no difference between white and brown sugar. It's still sugar. It's yeah. not better. Brown sugar is not better for you. It's just sugar. Brown bread's not better than white no. bread. No, you know, no, no. If you know, gluten and wheat is not not good for you in any form. It really isn't. And I used to think that maybe just for people who are gluten sensitive, but the evidence is there. It's not good for you. All bran flakes, cereals, wheat. Yeah, it's processed food. It really, it's it's. You know, we are victims of marketing, and really sneakily, the the, the companies that market these these cereals and these margarine products don't overtly go out and say it's going to be so good for you. They kind of insinuate and hint at the fact. And you see the pictures of people who look wonderful in their dresses mm. and with their six packs running on the beach, and you get an idea. Well, that's the lifestyle I want, and if I eat this product, it's going to mm. give me that lifestyle. But it's not true. Mm. It's just not true. And it applies to everything, whether it's makeup or clothing yes. or whatever it may be. Yes, you, if, if it looks too good to be true, it often is. Yeah. And no, no, it's not good for you. Um, okay, and then let's have a quick talk to Veronique. Been holding a while. Hi, Veronique. We've got one minute. Go ahead. Hi. Hello. Hi, Veronique. Vicky, you just mentioned, I mean, Nikki, you just mentioned um, metal toxicity. I've had a metal on metal hip replacement. And I've been seen, I've been found to be highly toxic in seven heavy metals. Which is the better way to get rid of it? You mentioned um, chelation. Yes. I've been, yeah. I've been going to chelation with EDTA. Yes. Um, what other options are there? There are chelation um, supplements that you can take. Um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, heavy metal toxicity is really tricky to treat. So you've got chelation via drip you've got chelation via oral supplements and you need to check those levels every six months to see that it's in, in your in your experience which is the better one is it is it not the drip the drip is better definitely okay. definitely it's um, not easy yeah. you feel terrible but it's not easy it, but it works thanks very much okay, for the call. i mean thank you pleasure bye. Yeah, thanks bye-bye sorry we've just we are out of time now uh Nikki, gosh, thank you. It flies. It's the quickest hour ever. Yeah, it just flies, hey? But thank you so much for being in here, as usual. Let me give um, our listeners your contact details. Uh, you can get Nikki at reinventhealth.co.za. Uh, and your email address is wellness at reinventhealth.co.za. Uh, do you want to give your office number as well? 011 467 yeah. 0160. Oh one one four six seven zero one six zero. Thanks, Nick. See Thank you, you again soon. Thanks so much.